This is Scripture Read Badly. A podcast where two grown-up pastor's kids discuss the stories of the Bible in chronological order. Attempting to avoid heresy and generally having a good time. I'm Jeremy. And I'm Ryan. Sit back and rejoice. Uh, today's reading comes from Deuteronomy 22.12. Deuteronomy 22.12 you shall make tassels on the four corners of the cloak with which you cover yourself. Thus says the Lord, we shall all be hipsters. We shall all be hipsters. Amen. Amen. Amen, church. I'm Jeremy, and this is Scripture Read Badly. My name's Ryan. Welcome to the show. Today, we are going to be talking about Genesis 4 and 5. That is the account of Cain and Abel, as well as from... uh, from Adam through to Noah. So we begin... Some of the happiest times. (laughs) Some of the happiest times. Including the first murder, the second exile, and a number of other fun events along the way. And the first attempt at genocide. (laughs) Awkward. Uh, They really knew how to party back then, didn't they? Yep, they really did. All right, Jeremy, how did you prepare for this episode? Uh, honestly, I made some coffee and I thought about eating a Reese's peanut butter cup and then decided not to. <laughs> That's fair enough. There was one time I ate M&M's for breakfast and it was a bad choice. No. So I, I respect that. Uh, it's always a bad choice. What did you do? I prepared for this episode by listening to a song called The Marked One, which is about Cain and Abel by the band Weather, oh, Weather cool. Permitting, and yep. by eating some homemade nachos. Whoa, nice. We, what was on the nachos? Uh, we just had beans and cheese. But they were <laughs> they were mission uh, mission corn chips, chili and lime flavoured, so it was pretty tasty. Oh, there you go. Homemade guac That's too. So that is how you prepare for an episode of Scripture Read Badly. Homemade guac? Yeah, mate. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That. All right, so we begin this week uh, talking about Adam knowing his wife uh, in chapter 4, verse 1. Uh, now, ob- yeah, you should, obviously... He should probably know his yeah, wife. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, with the exception of maybe some arranged marriages, most people know their yeah. wives uh, going, into, going into it. So um, is this some kind of euphemism? I'm not really sure. Uh, obviously it is. That was a joke in case you didn't get it. Um, Euphemism. I I just think it's, it's interesting. What do you think the origins are of that word new or no? Uh, it could be that the act of sex is one of the more intimate parts of human experience Mm -hmm. and you would know in quotation marks, uh, most parts of them through that act. And so it could be just, uh, oh, yeah, he knew his wife. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Okay, fair enough. So it's kind of like an avatar when they say, I see you, except it's more like, I know oh, you. Oh, yep. Wow. Yep, boom. Right, uh, getting stuck into it straight away with the movie references. Awesome. Oh, you got it. Uh, so Cain, the name, basically means uh, gotten or received. Um, so Wait. that begs the question was he their first son what do you think um highly possible 
because she's like, I have produced a man with the help of God. So she's like, whoa, this is a new thing that's never happened. <laughs> or maybe he wasn't and she was just crazy. Hmm. Or maybe she said that every time they had kids. That's true. Or maybe That's just her song maybe, that she sings. Maybe they had had many women already. So oh, yeah. a bunch of daughters and then they're like, whoa, first son. That's crazy. And then made a big deal of it. So then he became like the yeah. uh, the one to inherit everything, the firstborn, all that type of thing, and, as far as the male goes. And, yeah, and then when um, God says later in this passage that he'll put a mark on Cain so that no one kills Cain, mm-hmm. he's referring to his sisters killing him. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll we'll get to that later, wondering who Cain thinks is going to kill him. Um, <laughs> but yes, also, also the question about Cain's wife and all that. So we'll uh, we'll get to that. Oh, gross! Down. Uh, anyway, <clears throat> great. So uh, verse two here has a very quick succession of talking about Cain and Abel. Now the the question is, how far apart were they? Was it because uh, it talks about them bearing sons and then? The sons were workers of the field and all that type of thing. Obviously not straight out of the womb because that isn't how humans work. Um, So (laughs) then that again uh, begs the question, is it it more of like a fairy tales concept of time, a poetic legend uh, type of understanding of it? So then more like the once upon a time type of thing. And then when he grew up one day... Uh, something like that, or yeah, more like the Beauty and the Beast sense of time, and not the Mulan sense of mm, time. Yeah, because it doesn't really have years at all. Mm-hmm. And you would think if they were into the perfection of reporting the time, they'd be like, and two years later. Yeah, I mean, later on in chapter five, it talks about that type of thing when it says Adam was one hundred and thirty years old when he had Seth. And that's type of thing. Um, but we don't know what time was like prior to the birth of Seth. And we don't know how old Cain and Abel were or how old Cain was and how yeah. old Abel was when he died. So who knows? That could have happened four, five hundred years in. I don't know. But Yeah. Or Cain could have been like 15 and going through his angsty period. Yeah, that's right. Way too much Marilyn Manson. Okay. <laughs> He's out there uh, working the field and and uh, tending his livestock, listening to some Marilyn Manson. And then Abel comes out and he's like, "Oh, I'm just I'm feeling so dark and broody." And yep. God so said broody. he liked Abel, so uh, and then I mean, obviously it's a little bit more serious than that. But he one thing leads to another. And the next thing you know, he's he's gone all emo on, yep. on God, and it's so emo. he's. He's moved into listening to some dashboard confessional or something. Um, oh, no, you're going to exile me. Woe is me. <laughs> um, the Bible spoken through songs. Yeah. <laughs> that should be a new project as well. Wow. Yes. So uh, we're not going to patent that one. So anybody out there that wants to do the Bible through song, oh, please, go ahead and do that. Please do it. Uh, we're already attempting to, to do uh, to read scripture badly. To read scripture badly, and to sometimes reference Star Wars does the Bible, uh, which is a something <laughs> we have going on. Okay, so uh, still in verse two, they're talking about 
different roles that Cain and Abel had. And that would mm-hmm. obviously be because there's so many things to do when you're subduing creation, um, yep. that type of thing. So was the purpose of uh, keeping sheep, was that just for wool? Obviously, they didn't eat sheep until, or they weren't instructed to eat sheep by God until after the flood. So Interesting. Were they just keeping it for wool or as lawnmowers or what? What do you or think? Or milk? Does sheep do milk? Oh, uh, maybe. I, they they must. Goats do milk. So I, I don't know much about the biology, anatomy of sheep. Um, but my guess is most mammals would do milk of some kind. Um, That's true. But I've never heard of sheep. And then they milk. can make cheese. Sheep cheese. He's a dairy farmer. Yeah. Uh, yep. Dairy sheep. Uh, but are you trying to get to the idea that they had the sheep for sacrifice? That is that is one way of uh, of arriving at a conclusion here. I mean, that is one conclusion you could arrive at, not one way you could yep. arrive at a conclusion. Um, but yeah, so the the question is, what was the purpose? If it was just for wool, or or if it was uh, the simple, I guess, uh, the symbolism of tending to creation. So he's been assigned yep. to look after this flock because uh, God is a shepherd and and all that type of thing. So he's meant to be yep. doing what God does with people. Um, but I I just didn't really know about yeah uh, about why why they would have them. So. It could be that it was simply for the sake of sacrificing. But then they did make a lot of tents and things, so they would have needed wool yeah. and, and whatnot, and it gets cold in the winter in that part of the world, so yeah. I don't know. I, I I never thought of the milk part, and I never thought <laughs> that they actually tended them for sacrifice, because later in the passage I asked questions of myself that we'll get to soon mm. that refer to that when we get back to that. Mm-hmm. Um and then the story could be filled out and make more sense, not in more sense, just be a little bit different if they also had like 10 other f- children mm. doing different things. So it's not just those two in the field. Yeah. But then and, yeah. Genesis isn't very much like that, is it? Because Adam and no, Eve is just, just one and then two people. So um, mm-hmm. I think adding in extra people would just make it confusing and the understanding of uh, how God interacts with humans and how humans are inter- are to interact with God. I think that would get a, a very, very confusing for especially the, the generations that had these texts early on. Um, yeah. Yes. So uh, we move on to uh, verses 3 through 5, where it talks about Cain and Abel offering gifts to God or sacrificing to God. Now, in my in my ESV uh, study Bible, it said that there are two inferences that um, would explain why God was happy with Abel and unhappy with Cain. Now, the first is it emphasizes the word "firstborn" in um, in Abel's uh, in Abel's sacrifice. So he sacrifices the firstborn sheep that he has. Yeah, that that tends to indicate that it's a more costly sacrifice yeah. uh, from Abel. But then again, 
that isn't really that clear. No. Um, so the second inference could be that Cain's resentment for his brother and anger for, uh, against God that he shows later on, that portrays and displays his evil heart. So yes. there was something a lot deeper going on inside of him that God was unhappy with. And therefore, God uh, God shows that it takes more than an offering to, yeah, exactly. to be right with him. It, it requires a righteous heart and repentance. So what are your thoughts on that? Uh, my question was, uh, where were the rules stated for what God liked as sacrifice? Hmm. Like, we don't have a report up until this point of God saying, I only accept sheep. <laughs> because if God had said that, then Cain could have swapped things with Abel to get yep. a sheep to offer. Mm-hmm. And so I think I agree with the last thing you said, because God's not unreasonable. Like, yep. God's not going to keep it a secret what he likes, and then it's like, ha ha, you didn't do the thing I didn't tell you. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's a reasonable God. So I think it was an underlying attitude, because even that... Uh, there's that, there's a paragraph or like a quote in six Mm -hmm. that he's like, why are you angry? Uh, I just told you what I wanted or maybe in that moment, that's when God was like, I accept this and not this. And Mm -hmm. if he had a good attitude, he would have reacted with like, oh, well, what do you want? Or, oh, do you want a different kind of vegetable? Because I can get you that. (laughs) Oh, you don't like yams? Oh, sorry. Yeah, you don't like yams? What? (laughs) Um, And even looking in life, if if we come across something that we've done not perfectly, if we just like drop the ball and chuck a hissy, Mm-hmm. We're never going to improve. Yeah. And so he's just being a baby, and God's pointing that out. Like, you're just being a baby, and if you continue being a baby, you'll get nowhere. And then Cain's reaction to being called a baby is to be an even more baby yeah. and kill someone. <laughs> and you're like, what? Yeah. Come on, man. Okay, so um, so thinking about the interaction between God and Cain here in, in verse 6, um, God says... Why are you angry and why has your face fallen? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then he says, if you do well, will you not be accepted? Yeah. And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. So um, what I was wondering about here in this, in this little passage was when God says, if you do well, surely that's not meaning if you give me more vegetables um, is it if you do well in life, if you do well in your heart before me? Um, that's what. Yeah. That's more the way I was. I was interpreting that, although it did confuse me for a second as I was looking at the exact wording of this. And yeah. it could just be the ESV's translation, so I'm not sure. Uh, mine's an NRSV, and it's pretty much the same. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Um, okay. So, God doesn't say if you. Do not do well, you won't be accepted. Yep. Um, instead, he presented a second course of action. So he's saying, if you don't do well, you will need to act. Yeah, um, exactly. In a in a righteous yeah. manner and master the sin that that is there and will tempt you right away. Yeah. And what does Cain do? Well, he doesn't uh, rule over the sin, and instead. Mm-mm the sin that is crouching at the door and desires him comes inside and 
takes control. So then in verse 8, Cain doesn't rule over the sin as God instructs. And in 9, um, well, actually, let's let's sit on verse 8 for a second. So Cain spoke to his brother Abel. And he and, planned it. Yeah, yeah. And when they were in the field. So this shows that it's a it's a different time. It's a different sentence. Cain spoke to his brother Abel. New sentence. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. So he would have had to hear from Abel that Abel's sacrifice was accepted. And and then he would have said, well, mine wasn't really. And I don't really understand why. And God just said this to me. Um, And so then I'm wondering how much lying has humanity done at this stage? If the first lie was told back in chapter three, um, then are people already used to lying because it's been a number of years or are they more is lying more still of a taboo thing and you don't want to do it and you don't really want to even think about it because it's so against god um so i wonder if cain would have in his jealousy of his brother if he would have lied and said yeah god accepted my sacrifice too yeah i'm uh, i'm fine i'm the eldest brother and i had sacrificed like you did and yeah so i i don't know it's interesting it's a very it's a very short sentence cain spoke to abel his brother and there is a lot there that we will never know yeah and i don't but we do know that it was planned like it wasn't cain was in the field and he just arced up and stabbed the guy yeah he actually planned it and like hey let's go out in the field so no one else sees me stab you to death yeah yeah, that's right. But then still, out of nowhere, in verse 9, God says to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? So yeah, God, so. obviously God would know that something's up. But it's like yeah. it's like old Ben Kenobi when Alderaan gets blown up in episode 4. And he goes, oh, yeah. I heard a great number of people suddenly cry out and they were suddenly silenced. And yeah. he felt a great disturbance in the force, except God was actually able to see what happened. So yeah. when they showed up at the asteroids, God wasn't surprised. So um, <laughs> again, Star Wars does the Bible. Um, yep. God says, but, where is your brother? Yeah. And Cain's response is not remorseful at all. It, nope. It's it's defensive. So what do you have to say about that, Jeremy? Um. Well, and it's also connected with the fact that God does that continually, where he knows something, but he asks humanity so that humanity has to defend itself almost, or explain mm, itself. Yeah. Like, so, like with what he did with Adam and Eve and said, where are you? Exactly. Oh, hiding. Okay. Yeah. And so I think he's giving him opportunity to be like, oh, I was angry and I killed Abel and I'm sorry, almost. Mm-hmm. And then God would deal yeah. with that. But instead, he's like, I don't know, man. Who are you? You're crazy. <laughs> Why should I know? Yeah, exactly. I... <laughs> I need to go now. Is, is he need... my dog? Am I meant to look after him? Yeah, I'm needed in the basement. And then, <laughs> and then God's like, oh, okay. And he deals with not only that he murdered, but he also de- tries to deceive God. Hmm. And then it's a weird... It's a weird example of God's justice because mm. we would almost be like, oh, he should be killed or he should be put in prison or he should body, body, body. But God yeah. then cuts him off from the earth that he's good at. Mm-hmm. Like he's a soil 
tender, whatever it's called, farmer. Yep. And he cuts him off from that and then <laughs> sends him off. I prefer on soil tender. A soil tender. <laughs> He's a master soil tender. <laughs> Yeah, he actually had a, a Bachelor of Agriculture in soil tending. Yeah. It's a good degree. People love those degrees. Uh, yeah. And then sends him off to to be punished because he's not doing what he arguably was meant to do with soil tending and then puts this mark on him, whatever it is, so that other people don't kill him because yeah, it's so a let's, system. Let's- Speaking of uh, speaking of soil tending, let's get down into the into the dirt here, and oh, I see what and look did. at exactly yep, uh, look at exactly what God says. I think in in verse ten, I'm a big fan of the imagery that is used in the way God says the voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. Yep, I think that is beautifully poetic. Yep, um, tragedy, tra- uh, tragically poetic. Yep. Um, and it's uh, yeah, it, it's it's one of those it's one of those sentences that I, we're missing from the earth today. We don't say things like that anymore. Nope. Um, a little more, uh, not necessarily dramatic so much as eloquent. Uh, okay, so then we have. But uh, on the, the on the blood in the ground thing, that also mm-hmm. refers to the blood curses that we talked about in a podcast ages ago. Hmm. that when we kill each other, that actually does things to the land that we're on, and then God Hmm. guides the Jews through how they deal with that as well. So, And when you talk to some people who read through Genesis, they talk about the the red thread of violence and how Hmm. there is this little thread through all of the stories of how humanity gets more violent and then less violent and more violent. And this is one of those things where it's the first murder and it's the first, like, um, not court, almost court case because Mm. God cross-examines him to make sure that he's guilty and then gives him a punishment. Mm. And part of that is that there's now this blood guilt in the land and it cries out. Anyway, you were talking. Yeah, no, um, that's that's interesting because... Uh, they were in the field, number one, and that's where Cain was was the master soil tender. Yeah. Um, and God says, your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And so then that would make sense that the blood that was shed in murder that mm-hmm. landed on the ground in the field where he was uh, tending soil, that is what curses the ground for him. Yeah. I th- I, well, that's pretty cool. I like that. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, I mean, it, it's not something that I would like to have happen to me, but... Um, nope. Yes, yeah, so then God, uh, like you said, he curses the ground, and then he exiles him. Yep. So he says, you shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Now, the the crazy thing here, and you've talked about it a few times, this mark, the crazy thing is, even though God cuts him off... He still protects him, and yeah. he is essentially allowing Cain's descendants to thrive and to be fruitful and multiply like he, like he wanted them to. Um, yeah. And then it ultimately leads to his descendants. I don't know if this is directly related or not, but becoming masters of different trades than yeah. the uh, than tending the uh, the soil. So I 
I wonder if that is at all related. God was closing the uh, closing off the door for Cain to be an amazing gardener, and instead yeah. funneling him into a different path where he could make different choices, and then his descendants could be musicians and uh, yeah. ten livestock and and be nomads, and then also um, create weapons and stuff. So. I, not Which that I could think, be a microcosm yeah. of God's progression from a garden to a city. Hmm. Interesting. Huh. Which we'll get to at some stage in this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, he's sent away and ends up settling in the land of Nod, which is east of Eden. And Ooh. he ends up uh, building a city, naming it after his son and all that type of thing. But the question here is... Um, when it says Cain went away from the presence of the Lord, was that, uh, does that mean God didn't have anything to do with him anymore? Or was it more that physical spot where God stood to confront him, that, that ground that had been cursed? Did he leave that, the presence of God in that blessed land and have to go create a city in a different hard land? Yeah. And from your knowledge of the overview of the Bible, is is the presence of God usually talked about from a physical place or just the presence of God being there? Uh, there like is... in, in Acts, when the fire came, it was definitely both a, a physical place because God told them to go there, yep. but also God's presence was just there. Mm-hmm. And... When, uh, was it Ezekiel? No, it wasn't Ezekiel. Who was the Elisha? Elijah. When Elijah did that whole smashing the altars with fire, yep. God's presence was there mm-hmm. just because Elijah was there to invite him almost. And then yeah. the the fire and the, I was about to say snow. It's not snow. It's smoke. The smoke yep. and the fire that led the Jews through the wilderness, that was a physical location, but also God. So yeah, the, you might the tent be right of meeting that, and, and all that. Yeah, that he was walking away from a physical presence of God, mm-hmm. and maybe God stopped speaking to him from that point on. Well, maybe it was more of a they went from a, a face-to-face conversational relationship, um, even though it, it pained God to go after it because Cain was a bit of a butt. Um, yeah, to to being more of the. God being an overseer and a helper, like the, his spirit being with Cain. So it was no longer yeah. um, like the hearing the physical, the the audible voice of God type of thing and more of a an impression-based relationship. I don't know. Yeah. It's a, it's something that uh, I'm, I think a, a scholar would have to have an answer to. And by the way, if you listening have any answers to any of these questions that particularly I am raising... Um, but but ones that maybe we don't have the most satisfactory answers to, please <laughs> email scripturereadbadly at gmail.com and you can tell us what the heck we got wrong. Um, and we would love to hear from you, and you can also uh, tweet at us or put it on Facebook or something like that. Love to hear from you. Okay. We also really like compliment sandwiches, so feel free to say nice mm-hmm. things at the top and the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> Hey guys, love the show. It's really awesome. <laughs> By the way, when you said this, that's actually wrong. This is a more accurate <laughs> way to look at it. Keep it up, guys. You're the best. 
<laughs> That's a great template exactly. to use. Okay, uh, so who the heck was Kane's wife? Was it his sister? Uh, probably an angel. Ooh, interesting. Okay. Or it could have been um, one of his sisters. That's yeah. the other gross part. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a... I'm sure there's a Star Wars analogy here somewhere about a brother and a sister kissing, but... Um, Definitely a Star Wars analogy. We uh, will try and steer clear of that one um, to to not uh, incriminate Star Wars so much. So um, <laughs> what, <laughs> instead, let's incriminate the Bible. No, that's not what I'm saying. Yeah. No. Uh, don't hear that. So Cain's Cain's <laughs> wife uh, must have been his sister because it wasn't his mother, and anyone born of his mother and father were his brothers and sisters. Um, we see throughout Genesis, obviously, that there wasn't any laws against uh, incest. And that is primarily because of the be fruitful and multiply thing. You have to start from one spot uh, in order to get people way out there to the point where the genetic uh, crossing no longer has any yeah. detriments or has far less. So... Um, Abraham marries his half sister and and all that. We'll get to that in a few weeks, but um, yep. we have unless God made extra people that He didn't talk about because He didn't need to talk about them. Whoa! And the archetype of humanity was Adam and Eve, and that's the one He talked about. But He had actually made more. Right, and if He created more, and Adam and Eve were the ones that sinned, then sin. Uh, as we read in uh, chapter 3, had dominion over the world as a result of their sin. Therefore, everybody else would have started sinning all, all yeah, around the same or time. Or that sin was already in the world and we were sent to subdue it and we didn't hmm. and haven't. Okay. So as, so, as in, so that's a possibility too. Right. So I I briefly mentioned the uh, the circle series by Ted Decker and his uh, little wedge of forest that was evil in yeah. his new earth uh, analogy, um, but perhaps it was the other way around. Maybe the Garden of Eden was the only place that was good in the whole earth, and so Adam and Eve were tending yes. it, and outside the garden was where sin thrived. So maybe the fallen angels lived on the rest of it and, and all that. Um, and then when they were exiled, that was a representation of them entering the world that was already full of sin. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And we were sent to redeem it all. Wow. Angels included. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Uh, let us know about that one, listeners. Um, what are your thoughts on yeah, that? Yeah, listeners. Okay. So... Um, we read about Cain's descendants, Enosh. Um, wait, no, it was Enoch. Enosh was Seth's son. Uh, Enosh works. Enoch, <laughs> and then there was uh, Irad and Mahujael and Methushael, <laughs> and then Lamech. And now Lamech had two wives, and this is the first uh, mention of having more than one wife in... Come on, Lamech. So, Lamech, out of nowhere, it seems, decided to uh, be polygamous, and I don't really know why. 
Um, there weren't any laws against it, obviously, like there weren't any laws against incest. But it seems to me from the uh, the end of Genesis 1 and from what we read in Genesis 2, that God's original design was one man, one woman as as the uh, the marriage unit. So um, yeah. do you think, do you take this to be Lamech uh, choosing a, a lifestyle that God did not intend for humanity? Or was it Lamech trying to um, supercharge the be fruitful and multiply? And he was just trying mm. to do a ton of children by himself. It was like, I got this, Jesus. I can do two kids every year. The rest yep, of my exactly. life, boom. And now, now we do we do read in a whole bunch of these. It says, and they had other sons and daughters. So we get yep. the sense that things are moving along, humanity is multiplying, um, all that type of thing. So yes, that is a question about Lamech. We don't know very much about him, but we do know that his sons were the ones that were the the fathers of all those that dwell in tents and have livestock and play the harp no sorry play the lyre and the pipe and forge instruments of bronze and iron so lamech was uh from what i can gather the the one that enabled the the blessing in disguise of cain's exile to come into reality um now, if you're following along at home and you remember uh, us talking about the crafty serpent being the first example of arts and craft in the Bible, um, this, <laughs> this was actually the correct answer in that class that I was sitting in. Uh, Jubal being the father of those who play the instruments. So, yes. Good old Jubal. Yep. What a great guy. Good guy. Um, okay, so then he says to his wives a couple of things. I've killed a man for wounding me. So... It seems to me that Cain kind of started something because uh, this, <laughs> this is the second account of murder, but obviously we can't take this to be uh, the actual second account because uh, this guy that he killed wounded him, struck him. So we see that violence has become a more common occurrence in, yeah. uh, in the world. So, I thought that was that was interesting to have a second uh, a second little reference to violence there. And then he says Cain's revenge. If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, and La- then Lamech's is seventy sevenfold, that seems a little bit excessive and proud. Yeah, but very... but still, Cain's <laughs> revenge sounds like a great screamo band name. So yeah, or avenge sevenfold. That that also sounds like a good a good band name. They- they are a very good metal band. <laughs> yes, I'm aware of them. But if anybody wanted to, to use Kane's Revenge, which is the exact same meaning as Avenge Sevenfold, uh, just slightly different wording, and you yeah. might not get sued, then you could do that. So yeah. you, you have or, a full um, Jubal's Instruments. <laughs> That'd be a great band name. Liar, right, liar of Jubal. That, the Liar of Jubal. Um, it's funny when you grow up reading the Bible, hearing it read out loud, and you come to the conclusion that this name is said like this, having no knowledge of Hebrew or Greek, but yeah. you just like, your community talks like that. And yeah. then when you go cross-cultural and they pronounce it completely differently because they're saying it in their language, you're yeah. like, 
Oh, yeah, I suppose it could be said like that. Mm -hmm. But then if you go to a different community in an English-speaking country and they pronounce it completely different to you, you're just like, what? That's wrong. But we have no idea what it sounds like. (laughs) Like the the prophet, uh, we say in in Australian English, we say Habakkuk. And Americans, I don't know how English people say it, but Americans say Habakkuk. Yeah. And that just seems... And uh, Isaiah, too. Yeah, Isaiah, Isaiah. Yeah. So odd. Anyway, that's a weird side point. Yep, Jonah, you Are we on to... Verse 26 yet? Uh, yep, let's get to verse 26. Let's speed this along. Okay, so right. Seth uh, also had a son, and he called his name yep. Enosh. At that time, people Boom. began to call upon the name of the Lord. What, what do you think that is? What does this mean? Um, oh, also, sorry, just, just to jump back to verse 25 for a second. Yep. So Seth was born... Wait. Uh, so after this whole account of Lamech or... Lamech and his sons. Um, it says, and Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and called his name Seth. For she said, God he forgot her for a bit. Yeah. So I'm wondering, chronologically, uh, we're we're kind of getting to the uh, to the understanding that chronology isn't the most important thing as to the, <laughs> the story of this uh, this account. But does that mean that Seth was younger? than Lamech's sons. I'm just I'm just a little bit confused at, at the order of this. Um, I understand that we're seeing things from Cain's perspective, but yeah. th- that's kind of like reading a chapter on Cain and then reading the epilogue of Cain's life yeah. and his descendants. And then we jump back to before the the murder of Abel. I don't know. It, it ha- well, it has to be after the murder of Abel because yeah. Eve says... He's appointed me another offspring instead of Abel. Um, so I did, I'm I'm just wondering if uh, Uncle Seth was, yeah, uh, you know, a couple of generations younger than than Lamech. I don't know. And the not the theme, but what has happened in Genesis up until this point is very much the same, especially the first two chapters when they're like. This is the account of creation. Oh, hang on. Here's a different account of creation. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's not necessarily in any specific order, it seems. Mm-hmm. And, and now the, the biblical canon is, is also arranged in that type of funny order. And it's for yeah. the sake of keeping the uh, categories together and, and all that type of thing. So yeah. we'll, we'll find later on in this podcast in months' time that... Certain books of the Bible actually slot into a couple of chapters in the Book of Kings or other things yeah. like that. So, um, yes, chronology seems to be uh, fluid or, or even circular, as the Hebraic understanding has it. Yep. Um, oh, those are some good words. Chronology, Hebraic. Yep. I like these words. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now we move on to... Uh, well, if, do you have anything else to say about cha- uh, verse 26 there, right at the end of chapter 4, about well, what you were people talking beginning about to call upon the name of the Lord? Yeah, about um, Cain walking away from the presence of God. I wonder if this is referring to them being like, oh, we remember God. We should probably talk to him again. Mm. 
Mm. But I'm not sure about that because but then, that's then the flood happens, so mm. it doesn't look like humanity comes back to God at all. Yeah, so this is in Seth's descendants, um, not in yep. Cain's. So it it seems to me that in the the city of Enoch or whatever um, Cain's, yep. So in the city of Enoch, where where Cain went to in the land of Nod, um, it seems that they do not call upon the name of the Lord, yet. When Seth had a son named him Enosh, people began calling upon the, the name of the Lord wherever Adam and Eve and Seth and, and all his, all their descendants were. That seems to yes. me what's happening here. So maybe there was a great, uh, the, the great heartbreak and the exile of Cain and, and all that. Maybe they forgot. They were so caught up in their, their grief and their, uh, and all that, all that thing that they forgot to call upon the name of the Lord. Yep. Maybe that was it. Maybe the depression was great. Okay, so in a couple of chapters' time, we see that the earth is evil and, and all that type of thing. So as you said, yep. I'm I'm wondering about this, uh, people calling upon the name of the Lord and whether that had... Maybe that meant they were crying out to God in uh, saying, we need help, we need deliverance, that type of thing. So yep. I, I don't know if... During that time period, that was when the Nephilim and everything happened, um, or what. But moving into chapter 5, we have many people listed, well, exactly nine, I believe, um, the descendants of Adam. Um, Enoch, yeah. Enoch was the seventh, and I remember that from the book of Jude, where he references Enoch, and we'll get to that in a sec. Um, but Adam was 130 years old when he had Seth. So um, I guess that's enough time for Cain to have grandkids. Um, yep. So, yep, again, little baby Uncle Seth um, could have been a thing. Uh, in <laughs> verse 5, I think it's interesting that Adam isn't the one that lives the longest out of everybody. He lives 930 yeah. years and ends up being his uh, his eighth descendant that lives the longest um, out of anybody, 969, I think, Methuselah. Yep, so, he is old. Oh, my goodness, was he ever. Um, I wonder how Adam died. Was it a, a, a mistake? Hmm. I wonder if he was murdered. You're the one that did this to Ooh, us. Yep. Yeah, who knows what it was like. Was it like Mad Max yep. back then, or was it... Oh, sweet. So, <laughs> many people just... It was just a bloodbath, or was it... Was there something a little more uh, mournful and and sad, do you think? Yeah. Like, if he got to his... His funeral would have been huge. Oh, my... <laughs> Everybody would have known him, or yep. known of him, I guess. Uh, without him, there would have been no one. So, wow. Yep, imagine how long that would have lasted. Look, yep. I honestly, I can't, I, I can't even begin to fathom how heartbreaking it would have been to uh, for Adam to die. Because yep. nobody had, apart from the murder of a number of people, um, nobody had actually lived out their life and died an old man. Yeah. And he would have been the oldest of everybody. So yep. uh, it would have, been, would have been like later on when Caleb, uh, with the Israelites coming out of the desert, he was the only old man. Caleb and Joshua were the only yep. old men in the whole, the whole thing because everybody else had died from their generation. So people wouldn't have yep. remembered old people they would have thought nope. everybody that is in their 80s is conquering 
armies and, and whatnot. So yeah, um, Adam's funeral. Yeah. And then I wonder if Eve died earlier than that or if that was quite sad for her too mm. and she went on to be really, really old. Mm. Or maybe she... Yeah. So it, it could have followed the the typical uh, life expectancy of, of modern day. Maybe she lived to be over a thousand years old and, yep. and lived 60-odd years without Adam, but... Yeah, uh, there's many times where it says they had other sons and daughters, so obviously the population is increasing. And then eventually we get to Enoch. What's your take on Mm -hmm. Enoch? Who is this dude? What happened? And why is there such a big fuss made about him in that he gets given two sentences instead of none, you know, of of actual bias? Because he, he he walked with God. And then he was no more because God took him, which is crazy because that doesn't happen to many people. Yeah. And it was in the midst of the whole Cain palaver and then just before the flood. So it's like, whoa, there's this one awesome guy that God loved or that God vibed with so much that he's like, you're coming with me. Mm. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't really all that old either. Nah, 365. That's a spring chicken. (laughs) Compared to, I mean, compared to his son, he lived one third of the amount of life that his son lived. Yeah, that is ridiculous. That would have been... Ah, see, this just gets me all out of whack with all the the life, the length of life back then. I have no idea how it would have been. If there was some kind of correlation, maybe he was only like 30 years old. and, And then all of a sudden he's gone. Nobody knows where he yeah. went. And then somebody says, well, I think God took him because he was, yeah. as we see in the book of Jude, he was preaching the end times. Um, Good old Enoch. What a great guy. So, okay. So this is uh, the book of Jude. I'm just going to jump forward here in my Bible. If you're Yay! following along at home, Jude's right before Revelation. So uh, jump to Jude verse Chapter Jude. <laughs> Jude, chapter Jude, verse 14 to 16. That's where we read about uh, Jude. And he's talking about evil people and wolves in sheep's clothing and all those types of things. And then he says, uh, it was also about these that Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with uh, with ten thousands, with ten thousands. That's an interesting... With ten thousands and thousands. With ten thousands of his holy ones to exude... Uh, not execute, execute, um, to execute judgment on all. <laughs> Again, scripture read badly. Uh, this is an example <laughs> of that. Uh, on all and to convict all the ungodly of all their deeds. There's a lot of alls of ungodliness yeah. that they have committed in such an ungodly way. And of all the harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are grumblers, malcontents, following their own sinful desires. They are loud-mouthed boasters, showing favoritism to gain advantage. Um, now, I was reading in my, my ESV study Bible, and it talks about Enoch. And he says, um, It does not necessarily imply that Enoch was literally the seventh generation descendant from Adam, which I think is an interesting stance for a, a study Bible to have. And that's kind of what, yep. what we're getting at here. Um, but... Uh, okay, Jude describes the coming of the Lord as Enoch prophesied, 
and he quotes from First Enoch one nine. I've never read the book of First Enoch. Um, Whoa, we need to read that badly. Yes, we do. If you First if you can Enoch. pull that up in your studio, that would be awesome. Um, yeah, I will. Okay, so Jude is citing the content of First Enoch as true and prophetic as uh, of the return of the Lord. Now we see throughout church history people saying that such and such a book. Um, is apocryphal and it shouldn't be included in the actual canon and uh, even Martin Luther wasn't too keen on I think it was the the book of Jude and Hebrews and something else like second <laughs> Peter or something um, so he wasn't so he, throughout the years there have been a number of books written and I guess it'd be like yeah. us saying well in the book of mere Christianity C.S. Lewis says this and it's yeah. like an extra biblical source as opposed to a direct yep. canonical scripture reference. So have you got First Enoch there in front of you? Uh, I've got the Wikipedia page. <laughs> Is that what you want? Uh, sure. Tell us about First Enoch. It's an ancient Jewish religious work. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the later part of it, the Book of Parables, is probably the first century B.C., Right. Okay. Uh, he's not even used by the Jews apart from Beta Israel, which I don't know what that is. But it is re- regarded as canonical by like some really odd side churches or boundary churches. And but the, it was found the, in the, the Dead Sea Jude, Scrolls, obviously. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So the Dead Sea Scrolls and all that, if you're not familiar with it, are a collection of. Um, as Jeremy just said, they're, they're kind of like some some books of the Bible, but also some apocryphal works and believed as scripture by some side sects of Judaism and, and other religions. So, okay, that's interesting. Um, I think it's always been a point of contention that Jude quotes from Enoch. Yeah. Um, but from what we understand of uh, Enoch, as we read about in uh, the, the the fact that he did prophesy about the end times, all that type of thing. That's potentially a reason that God would have taken him away. Because he's saying, well, <laughs> this stuff is actually applying to far further down the line than, than you're yeah. talking about, but um, you're, you're getting revelation, you're seeing future events, but they're not for right now. So if you go around spreading it, then maybe, I'm not saying God killed him, because he's like, you've got yeah. it wrong, don't spread this heresy. Yeah. It wasn't like that. Um, nope. But maybe it was because the uh, the spreading of his prophecies uh, were going to potentially save people from the impending doom of the flood. So, yeah, and I wonder how much Noah was influenced by this guy. Hmm. Okay, so I'm, I'm looking at a, a timeline of the... Um, all these generations and when they had sons that are listed and all that. So Enoch, um, he was 65 years old. He had Methuselah. Methuselah outlived him by three almost. Um, Now, Lamech had Noah um, at a time when Enoch was already dead. Oh, okay. I think. So... I think... Oh, sorry, not dead, when he was already gone. So <laughs> I think um, it would have been more likely that Methuselah was influenced by his dad 
Yep. And Methuselah would have carried it on like we see in the uh, the weird movie with Russell Crowe, Noah, that we are going oh, to watch soon. Oh, no, I didn't watch it. No, it's okay. We're, we're going to watch it before the next episode. That'll be how we prepare. Um, oh, yeah. So I think the next one is the account of Noah. So, um, yes, so it's more likely that Methuselah was like the, the guru that lived for a long time and he saw that his dad was taken away so he would have gone I don't really know how to take this what my dad was saying so I don't know maybe there was a little bit of uh, weirdness about it and someone would have had to have remembered it enough to be able to write it down when they had paper Mm. because back then it was still oral history so what Enoch was ranting about whatever he was ranting about Someone, there must have been like a sect back then who were like, Enoch is talking for God and we're going to believe in this sort of stuff. Mm. But then, and so he must have. See, um, it, it could have been that, that that went down through Methuselah and then to uh, to Noah's pops to Lamech yeah, again. Yeah, and then one of Noah's pops Noah. had to have known it enough to put it on paper. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That so, is so odd. So Noah probably grew up. Uh, at least hearing the the prophecies secondhand. Um, yeah. So then he and his descendants would have carried that on. So that's an interesting, interesting way to view it. Or it could have been a completely heretical writing later on by some dude that claimed to be a exactly. descendant and all that. So don't know about that. But maybe um, that's why it's not anyway. Yeah. So. Methuselah, uh, some have speculated, lived until the flood and then got killed in the flood. Um, And that's the reason he never reached a thousand years. Um, He was so close. He was. I mean, to be within 31 years of of being a thousand, you'd think, uh, I don't know. But let's just say, in the words of an old Jedi master, when 800 years old you reach, look as good you will not, hmm? Um, <laughs> classic Yoda he does not have a nice face no <laughs> but I don't think I would have a very nice face if I was as old as him or Methuselah either so um, maybe Methuselah was a Jedi Master and we see a little bit of that Ooh, in the Noah movie so keep an eye out for that that's pretty cool he has a Jedi moment but uh, Lamech gave Noah a prophetic name and the prophetic name was to be the relief from the cursed land and painful toil. Well, cool. Um, it's incredible how true that would end up being because yep. uh, only him and his sons and his, his family were the ones that survived and were able to experience relief from the cursed land, which was wiped out yeah. and destroyed in the flood. So... That's that, and then in, in verse 32, as we bring this chapter to a close, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. It says when Noah was 500 mm, years old, damn. he had Shem, Ham, and Japheth. That does sound like a pretty tasty meal, actually. Yep. Um, I'm wondering, were they triplets? If he had them... That would be so cool! If he had all three of them when he was 500? Or yep, is time different? I don't know. <laughs> Nah, time exactly the same, and they were triplets, and they looked the same, and he always got them confused. Identical triplets. That'd be the best. Wow. You would have to have three different, but pretty much the same outfits. 
for your kids? Yep. That would be just brown dresses. Brown dresses, but one of them would have a picture of a pig on it or something, and he'd be there. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you have anything else to say about these uh, these stories that we've gone through today, Jeremy? Um, continuing the... What is it called? The Red Thread of Violence mm-hmm. and God's Reaction to It. So um, there was the trial with Cain that yep. he made sure that Cain knew what he did wrong and then he gave him a punishment. Mm-hmm. There was... Um, and then that turned into redemption and his family line seemed to produce things and yep. invent things and bloody bloody bloody. And then you have this huge list of names which would have been important for the Jews because even with me, most of my starting conversation with anyone is about my family. Mm-hmm. And so this would have been important for them. And then you go into the next chapter that we're going to talk about which is another of the red line of violence. Hmm. And it's one of those chapters where people point to to prove that God is terrible. And so it'll be interesting talking through that because God isn't terrible because through Jesus we see that he's awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Also, I love ham. (laughs) Ham is great. Um, Now, in, in the next chapter, we will talk about the Nephilim, which is... Obviously, a, a very small and non-controversial topic. Um, it's totally not. So that's going to be pretty fun. Um, yep. But yes, lots of things to think about from the chapters this week on Scripture Read Badly. If you have any answers to any of the questions we've asked or any thoughts, comments, or uh, compliment sandwich criticisms, then Yay! send them to scripturereadbadly at gmail.com. Facebook them to us. Uh, you'll be able to find us there and on Twitter as well. That would be awesome. We would love to hear from you. And uh, with that said, this is the end of another episode of Scripture Read Badly. I'm Ryan. And I'm Jeremy. And you're the best. I don't remember how we said we we're going to finish it, but. I don't either. But that was fine.